right, good afternoon. Welcome in on this Friday, Maze and Blue Review. Good afternoon, Michigan football. Everybody knows what's going on. It's just counting down the time to Monday, which is weird because it's a Friday. Usually you're all excited about the weekend, but everybody knows why. We got a good show for you planned here today. Coming up straight ahead, Jerry Diario will talk about the Rose Bowl and the national championship game on Monday. We'll take your feedback. We'll see where you're at right now with the game headed into Friday. Any questions that you might have. But as we have done all year long uh, and bowl season, we, uh, on Sharpening the Edge, have uh, Lucas Rymeek from the Amazing Blue Review staff. And he is on the line ready to look at this game coming up on Monday. Lucas, how are you? Well, absolutely uh, thrilled to be talking about this game because uh, it means Michigan won the Rose Bowl like we were talking about last week. Uh, that was, first of all, to start, I want to start with that game. What a tremendous game, tremendous finish. Obviously, uh, the way it played out, I did not have a lot of tough confidence that Michigan was going to be able to pull through in the end. But uh, they, they got the job done when they needed to the most. Obviously, uh, going to overtime there and stopping Milro. Uh, and a fourth and goal to to clinch it. That was uh, just a great game, one of the best games probably I've ever watched. Uh, as a Michigan fan, just on pins and needles the entire time, and obviously uh, the winning result in that iconic venue and that iconic moment, uh, just one of the best games I've ever seen. Well, you did a good job picking it because you, you picked Michigan in that game. And in the nightcap, uh, you also picked the underdog Washington Huskies, and we'll get to them. In a moment, I want to congratulate you. You and I, let's say it went head to head. I mean, we picked all of the bowl games, and you beat me in the selecting the game. So, congratulations there. But it was a, a good job, I'll also say by myself, by picking the Washington Huskies to take on the Wolverines in the championship game. As you look at this game, you know, it's tough when you're a Michigan fan to say, okay, well, you know, you you like the uh, four and a half or whatever else. That's what it is right now. It's four and a half points Michigan's favored by an over and under of uh, 55. When you look at this game, what do you think? Yeah, so I actually like Michigan here uh, for a few different reasons. I talked about it when they were playing Texas for Washington. Obviously, everyone talks about the passing attack. You have Michael Penix is probably going to end up going in the first round. Uh, next year, when it's all said and done, they have three receivers who are all like day one or day two NFL draft picks. Uh, Dunze, for sure, going to be a first rounder, I would imagine, next year. McMillan and Polk, they both have eligibility left. At least one of them probably is going to go um, as well. Probably going to be more of a day two selection, but both of those guys are, are also very, very legit. Uh, and on Michigan's offense, they'd be the number one wide receiver. Um, I do think. Yeah, I think Roman Wilson might be a day two, early day three pick as well. So he's not like too terribly far off, but they legitimately have three guys who are top 100 NFL draft picks um, next spring just playing wide receiver. And uh, that's not even talking about Michael Penix. So very talented passing attack. Um, NFL dudes still playing in college. They're all older as well. Um, But it's really just a matchup thing for me, at least with Texas, Texas uh, all year. It's had one of the best defensive lines in the country. Um, so a lot of their statistics on defense, they look okay. Uh, when you kind of look under, hood, under the hood, though, their secondary was far more susceptible than anything else uh, of their defense. I, I was I picked Washington pretty much just off the fact that it's just a really bad matchup for Texas. I think Texas overall might be 
a better team. You know, if they play that game a hundred times, they might win 55 to 60 of them. But just with the way the matchups were going to present themselves, uh, I thought there was a pretty good chance that Washington uh, would end up winning that game. And they even won it more handily than I was anticipating um, it going. Uh, but then just kind of watching how it played out and how it relates to this game, um, not sure there's a ton of correlation there, just to be totally honest. Um, Texas secondary has a lot of holes. They have a lot of issues. I just don't see that from Michigan secondary in the same way. Uh, Will Johnson's probably going to be a first-round corner. Um, next spring, obviously not quite eligible yet, Rod Moore and Mikey Sane were still both, in my opinion, are probably the um, top 100 picks if they go out this year or if Rod Moore, if he elects to come back, uh, will probably be day two or maybe even sneak into day one um, of the following draft. Um, so Michigan secondary is much more talented, uh, both on paper and all the metrics pretty much support that as well. Um, I was I posted this on the board earlier, so if you're a subscri- subscriber, you can go look at that. I was looking into the passing efficiency um, for both the teams and the pass efficiency offenses, uh, both Michigan and Washington. Michigan's actually fifth, uh, and Washington's 11th. So technically, on like a down to down and per attempt basis, Michigan's passing offense is, is actually a little bit more dynamic, a little bit more efficient um, in that way. And then you kind of compare the team pass efficiency defenses. Michigan's third in the country. Washington's down at 32nd. Um, so quite a difference there in disparity of um, obviously the passing attacks for the offense are actually somewhat similar statistically, despite what you might believe. Um, and then on the defense, there's quite a contrast. Michigan being one of the best in the country at defending the pass and Washington still being good. They're still pretty good overall defending the pass, but down there at 32nd. Um, so I, I just don't see the edge there even though everybody in the media is kind of going to talk about probably all weekend and has been talking about all week, how Washington's going to have so much success through the air. They're going to chuck it all over the yard. How is Michigan going to defend it? I actually, like based on the metrics, I I really don't think it's going to be that much of an issue for Michigan. Um, People have talked about this a little bit this week. Um, I I really believe they're going to go like heavy cover two, like soft cover two, soft cover three, soft cover four style that they did a lot against 2021 Ohio State. Uh, you remember C.J. Stroud and all those great receivers at JSN, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson. Uh, I think that's kind of the style that it'll be a bend but don't break um, type effort. Uh, I think they're going to control. They want to keep uh, Washington's offense from making any big plays down the field. I think they're going to be able to limit uh, Washington's effectiveness with the run game. And I think Dylan Johnson's injury might be a factor there as well. I'm not sure if he's really going to be 100% in this one. Um, but Michigan's D-line is elite. They've been elite all year. I think they're the best D-line in the country, and I think their secondary is also among the top 10 in the country. So I, I really think um, this is going to be Michigan's game to lose. I think as long as they don't turn the ball over well, they should be able to move the ball and do pretty much whatever they want, kind of pick your poison, uh, whether throw or pass. I think they'll be able to do both fairly successfully against this Washington defense. Uh, I think they'll have no problem moving the ball, and I think it'll really just be about forcing Washington to kick field goals and sort of score touchdowns. Uh, so I have this game kind of playing out um, in the like 38 to 27 range. So I'd, I'd have Michigan covering there um, pretty easy, and uh, I also like the over as well. And in any Michigan game, a quarter and touchdowns also a good thing. So you want to like a bonus bet? Uh, this is what I did: is I I just combined the three, a quarter and touchdown, Michigan to cover in the over there and it was like plus 300. Uh, so I, I think those are pretty good odds. I think that's a pretty solid bet. That's uh, that's how I see this game going. 
We're kind of in lockstep. I have uh, Michigan winning this game 35 to 27. That puts it over the 55 and a half. And if I was looking, you know, that's Michigan by eight. I also then uh, like Michigan over the 34 and a half, and that gets you plus 150. So that's not bad uh, there as well. If you want to kind of spray the board, and I love making uh, touchdown bets as well. So that's good. I would say, you know, you're right about the turnovers. I am also going to add that the special teams needs to perform like it did the first 13 games and not like it did in the Rose Bowl because that almost cost them. And, and they were lucky that that last muff, uh, that spinning ball down there by the goal line with uh, thaw and everything else, uh, no more stuff like that. And, yeah. you know, th- that's how you can end up losing a ball game. But they didn't. It's and- also, I mean, yeah, just watching that game at the beginning, it was like, wow, this is like 20, this is a PCU the game all over again. It's you know, mistakes they haven't made all year and just coming up uh, in the biggest moments. But I, I don't know. I just give it a ton of credit for the, the way they were able to bounce back. I mean, they had so many things that they – screwed up and messed up like last week and they still came back and beat a really good Bama team uh, defense. It's really hard to move the football against and their Sharon did a great job scheming up plays uh, and doing a lot of creative things with the shifts and motioning. I just, I just think with everything that went wrong and that one, I just, it's very unlikely to me that they're going to repeat those mistakes. Uh, they're going to, you know, they have this week off here to come back, sharpen up in the special teams. Those mistakes haven't had Hadn't happened all year up to that point, uh, so I don't think it's super likely they will repeat themselves. But it is it is something to keep an eye on because if they lose, it'll be some sort of special teams or turnover issue that uh, would be the reason. I'm with you on that. Uh, enjoy the game. Uh, we're right there on how we see it playing out. It's been fun all year long. It's been a fun ride. It continues into Monday night. Have a great rest of the day, and uh, I know you'll enjoy Monday. So we'll talk with you soon. Absolutely. Go blue. There he is. Lucas Rymink joining us here. We'll talk with Jerry Diorio in just a minute. You know, taking a look here. I don't know. Rob is saying that I've got a notification heading out somewhere else. You know, I, I do a, a sports update. I wanted to do something different in the new year. And there's a, a lot of folks that I think they get intimidated when they see this uh, YouTube feed and they think like an hour long, like, whoa. And even in some of the comments that I get, not necessarily on the the feed while I'm going, but comments under the podcast, the uh, a couple of, the, of comments have been like, yeah, not a bad podcast, but it just goes too long. My thought is like, you know, just listen to what you want and then turn it off or something or go back, you know. Uh, but there's a lot of people that I, they, I, they do, they look at it and they're just like, I can't listen to something for it. Can you can jam it all down into five minutes you know if you're i think the i don't know the the younger you are the less time like maybe you just want like a a 20 second hit on uh on tiktok michigan's playing washington hey i like michigan to win 35 17 boom that's it and then you can replay and watch it over and over over again get a couple uh quick cuts and you know it's over so uh there is that that i'll do 15 minutes before coming on i think that's what you're talking about. So I don't know. That's it. Um, uh, Richard talking about the, the kickers can't play any more nervously. Yeah. You know, I, whatever happened, you know, other, you know, Tommy Doman has been great all year long and then he wasn't so great on one of the holds and then uh, his kicks weren't so awesome. And then Samaj Morgan looking up on the punt and then thaw, 
you know, muffing that one. You know, they um, they got a break. They got a break there. But, you know, if I don't know how you look at it, I look at it like unless there's something wrong with Doman, which there could have been, and we don't know about that. Maybe we'll never know. You know, so that could be a situation. But if uh, if everything's right and they're back, you know, they're not playing on grass, uh, it'll be on, on turf coming up in NRG Stadium where the Texans play. That's what Michigan is uh, more familiar with. So I'm thinking that they'll play like they did for the majority of the season, the first 13 games on special teams. And, you know, not that they need to, you know, you say clean that up. It's just, um, you know, they had a bad game. Doesn't mean that's going to continue. I know we're always like the, what happened last game, kind of feel like it's going to happen this game. I mentioned it uh, as well. So I get what you're talking about when uh, you get there. And, you know, I'm I'm thinking about some TikTok here too in the, the new year. So there you go. We got that uh, going on. Well, let's connect with uh, former Wolverine Jerry Diorio, who has uh, joined us. Uh, all year long on this Friday. First, I want to tell everyone that, you know, I tell you every show, and I want to be really honest about this. I want you to join the Maze and Blue Review. I want you to join the Maze and Blue Review today. You do that by going to michigan.rivals.com. Everything that you want to know. You heard Lucas talking about passing efficiency and everything else. Every number, everything that can be analyzed going on over there at the Maze and Blue Review on the den, as you might expect. You know, the uh, everybody is uh, uh, tense and fired up and ready to go all day, all night, right up until kickoff, and then beyond in 2024 with what's going on uh, with Michigan recruiting, transfer portal, and all of that. So join the Maze and Blue Review today. Go to michigan.rivals.com. Let's now talk with uh, Jerry Diorio, let's connect with the uh, former Wolverine now. And here he is, Jerry Diorio, joining us back from Pasadena, like all the Wolverines, and and pretty happy, I would imagine, to talk about this game this past Monday. Jerry, how are you? Great to be a Michigan Wolverine, Denny. Outstanding. I just saw uh, so proud of our young man. It's uh, it was a great time out there. Yeah, tell me what the experience was like. Give it to me. You know, I, I've been out there and, you know, watching it uh, on TV and having been there, it was incredible. I would imagine being there, it was like 100 times, you know, more incredible. So, you know, give me the highlights. Well, you know, you've been there, Danny, and you know this. Um, it, it's kind of surreal. I mean, it, it you know, you're, you're on at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena. It's like hallowed grounds, you know. It's, you know – it's, it's the Mecca of football and um, has been, always will be. And uh, I think Kurt Herbstreet made the comment that all games, all finals should be played there. And I would probably agree with that. I mean, the Rose Bowl agenda should be somewhere in the fi- semifinals or finals of every, uh, um, uh, every playoff. It was a uh, great experience. Uh, got to meet, some, got to see some old friends I haven't seen in, ages Mellons, i haven't seen him in four four decades 40 years loved seeing him it was a great time seeing him ed moransky johnny wangler vince de felice um uh, norm betts uh you know just a, a t- tremendous amount of people i i saw my uh, my uh 
Joel Metzger's parents, my uh, former player at Lakeview. I saw his parents out there at the tailgate. And it just an incredible experience. It was a beautiful day. It was a sunny day. And, they, you know, that's not guaranteed out there. It was uh, uh, gray and gloomy the day before. So it was a sunny day. It was a beautiful sunny day. Um, my, uh, we didn't, obviously we didn't go to see the parade or anything like that, but we took plenty of pictures and, uh, the joy of being there at the end of the game was incredible. And there, you know, not too many Rose Bowls go down to that wire. And here it was overtime, two of the most storied universities in college football history going down to overtime. And, uh, right in our end zone, which was probably the best thing that happened to Michigan all day, was get, um, losing the toy costs and getting to uh, request the uh, end zone that we were in because that was totally a Michigan crowd down there. Well, let's start at the end. They get the fourth down stop, but, you know, they uh, they make some, some big plays in there. Mason Graham came in. Josh Wallace had to make a stop on third down. I mean, you go through that. Uh, I think it was Junior Colson, you know, coming up with a big tackle. I mean, all these guys, this defense played incredible. But what about the final play? Because, you know, they they come out there and then, you know, Michigan calls timeout and, you know, or Bama calls a timeout. Then they have to go and then they and then they go with it. Um, a lot of pacing during that period of time, Denny. I was pacing pretty good. I was sitting right at the tunnel where you come in. I was row 24. And so I had a nice exit right to the uh, tunnel right there. So that's where I was pacing that whole time, um, waiting for all these timeouts to go because it, it was just nerve-wracking. It was a uh, very intense situation. Um, the last play, Stewart is a stud. Stewart is a stud. He sent that offensive tackle right back in Milrose lap, and it was just a dominating dominating play by Stewart. You look at Mason Graham on that play. He's holding his own. Uh, I think, um, who's number eight? Um, that was uh, Eric Moore. Er Eric Moore did a nice job in there. Grant did a nice job in there. Um, Sanders still was there. So, I mean, that play was pretty much dead. You know, I know some of the uh, critics after the game were saying it was wide open. I don't know what they were looking at because uh, it looked pretty crowded in there. Yeah. I mean, they, they didn't, they kind of uh, built a wall, and like you said, uh, this is pretty surprising. I mean, Josiah Stewart, you know, when he was coming in and you looked at some of his film from Coastal Carolina, it was like, uh, this is a, a sack master. This is somebody that's going to get after the quarterback. And for him to to throw the 350-pound guy back like that, the leverage that he had, that was, uh, you know, one for the, one for the ages. Uh, Michigan gets to overtime. Uh, they go with two runs, uh, you know, I know Jerry, you know, even if you weren't a, a former offensive lineman, you would like to, but you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure because you're an offensive lineman and when you played, you kind of liked how they just lined up and, and went with the old uh, bread and butter there in overtime. I, I've been calling that for, uh, for weeks now. And I'll tell you one thing, Denny, I said, run to the quick side and the quick side was open Uh big play by um, Corm in the first period. They got us uh, out, out to the 50. Um, big run by uh, JJ in the uh, fourth quarter that kept uh, they got our drive uh, a second life. Um, so the quick side was open, but it looked like the strong side was open too because that's where both of those runs came from. Uh, I thought I thought up front we 
totally dominated Alabama, both sides of the ball. Their offensive line, you 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 have five sacks in the first half. That's a dominating performance. I don't care what anybody says. Um, you know, JJ uh, uh, throwing for over two hundred and rushing for over a hundred. The team rushing for over hundred—that's pretty dominating performance uh, by by the University of Michigan football team. Um, and, and you know, nothing to—I I don't want to beat up Samaj uh, at all because he's had a great freshman year and he's going to have a phenomenal uh, uh, career at the University of Michigan. Uh, but if he doesn't drop that punt, Michigan probably wins by ten going away in regulation. I mean, and, and uh, if you look at that play, when he when he dropped it, he probably had another 10 yards to run minimum. If he catches that clean, he has another 10 yards to run minimum. And, and that's why they have so much back there, because 10 yards could be a breakaway for him. And so we've got to shore up some things on special teams. No doubt about it. When I say um, we, we played a B minus C plus game, in my opinion. And I'm going to say it this way. The uh, defense was A minus. I thought the offense was B. And our special team was probably D minus E. And, yeah, well, uh, you, you you muff two punts, the one that you're talking about. And then if we're working backwards like we did in overtime, when we go to that last drive where you thought Michigan might have been able to get a last-second field goal before they had to go to overtime. But, but Thaw, who had been so dependable, and people were calling for somebody else to get in there. They wanted some uh, playmakers, I guess, uh, you know, I don't say, I guess, I mean, I know that that's what people wanted, but you know, he showed his value in the Penn state game. You know, he went out there and had a really good game and it was like a, uh, a manager in the ninth inning going with a, a defensive replacement. I, you know, I think even if Morgan would have caught that first one, I think, you know, you, you think thaws the one to, you know, to secure the ball back there, and then he drops it. It got so close, Jerry. That, that was your end zone, or was that the other end that zone? That was the other end zone. I've been watching that play. If you look <laughs> at the spin on the ball, that is what saved our life right there, yeah. is that spin on the ball um, stopped right before the goal. And then think about it. Thaw turns around, and he gets hit right now. That could have been a fumble. Um, so lot, we, we got a lot to do on special teams. And in my opinion um, – that last play, I, I, I wouldn't have minded just letting that ball bounce, and, and I, we got it on the one yard anyways. Maybe we should have gone after it. I don't know. Yeah, Well, uh, I think they were thinking about maybe scoring there. I, I think if it was a, uh, that's a good idea. If you're set up at the 10, maybe set up at the 15. If you say if it goes over your head, uh, let it go. So let it go. We, We've had too many problems all day long. Why risk it? Before that, Michigan, you know, they uh, – they get a stop to get the ball back, but you know that they go on the, the the seventy-five yard drive, and they look like they got a break when they got well. They did. They they forced a fumble with Milrow, and you thought that might be the break that they need because they really hadn't been doing anything. But then they they missed a forty-nine yard field goal, yep. and so then Bama comes back and nails a fifty-two yard field goal. I want to ask you: Did you well first? I guess I'll just start there. Did was there a thought if Michigan scores there, considering that they had had some some issues? I know I know the punter. I mean, he's the holder, so maybe he's had a shaky game. Uh, the idea of maybe going for two there did that cross your mind at all? Uh, several times, okay. several times, and, and uh, a lot of people around us were talking about it. Uh, obviously, they made the right decision. Uh, great call, uh, uh, kicking the extra point, putting it in overtime. 
And, um, you know, I, I think I think we had the momentum. I think we were better conditioned. I think we were deeper than Alabama, and it showed in the fourth quarter. I, I honestly believe that should have been a 10-point game in regulation Michigan wins. But we had so many miscues on, on special teams uh, that, that it kind of kept them in the game, really. Because when you look at it, the first half, other than the, the fumble and their score, Michigan dominated that game. Michigan dominated the first half. They totally dominated the second quarter. There's no question about that. Uh, the third quarter was uh, was tough because we had the bad field position. Um, but, you know, we, you know, we survived that third quarter. They come back. They score in the fourth quarter, take the lead. They get the field goal. And things are looking a little hairy. And then all of a sudden, Michigan goes on that 75-yard drive with really well-designed plays. The first play, giving it the ball, the ball to Corm, going away from the H-back. So you remember me talking about them keying the H-back, right? So if the H-back is going right and the play is going left, where's the uh, linebackers? They're going right with the H-back. And so, the, you know, Corm gets eight yards on that. Um, Jerry, what about the the people around you in the stadium when it's um, it's fourth and two from your own 40? Michigan did have all three timeouts there you know you knew the deal with their punter maybe that played into it but the Michigan defense had played really well and is that an easy decision you think for Jim Harbaugh to say he's going for it there I mean he's got to make it pretty quick but obviously that one really worked out with one of the great plays on the fourth and two quorum them you know scheming him up so wide open and then he blows it you know into Bama territory it was a very well designed play I mean they had a bunch set up over on that side they moved Blake over right before the snap of the ball. And that bunch all went to the left and Corum went to the right and he was wide open. There was nobody on him. And to be honest with you, I think maybe Bama might've been thinking he's, he's going to run the ball or they're going to throw the, to one of the tight ends. And uh, we didn't have our uh, normal pass receiving uh, uh, kid in, in there. So maybe they were thinking run, but he was, he was wide open. When you look at the game on the film and I saw the film here, when you look at it, Michigan really executed that bunch formation to perfection, especially on the passes. Corum in the first half, wide open. Why? Because that bunch created a wall against the man coverage. They they went with their man. Uh, the DBs went with the man. The linebackers have to try to climb over the bunch, which they're never going to do. And there's Corum uh, um, free uh, going into the end zone. On the play you're talking about, same thing, Denny. That bunch formation. Loveland streaks down, takes the corner out. Both inside guys cross. There's Quorum out there wide open. There's no way. you When you look at that play on film, Denny, the linebacker that was covering Quorum was supposed to be over on the other side. And there's no way he's going to make that play. And, and so it was. It, that was that, that whole last drive was just beautiful. That was a... Uh, I was, I'm thinking to myself, where has that been all day? Because it was very real, well-designed, and it was run to a T. It was beautiful. Yeah, you played football and coached for a long time. If it was five years ago, people would be making a big, a lot more of a big deal about going for it from your own 40. But in, in the last year or two especially, it's like, you know, it's almost the routine to see coaches do that. Is that an easy decision? You think that with where when they were in the stands, everybody's like, Oh yeah, you go for it here. No, not one bit, not one bit. You're always hoping to convert on third down. 
<laughs> and that fourth down play is just nerve-wracking. I've been there many a time. Um, I, I went for it on fourth and one or fourth and two against Dexter in a playoff game, and and um, we didn't get it. And they came and, and they came down. They missed. They didn't score. So we ended up in overtime. But um, uh, no, that's not an easy decision. That, that that is a gutsy. That's where you make your money by those kinds of decisions and converting them. It's one thing to make the decision. It's another thing to convert them. And when they're wide open like that, that's a heck of a play design. Yeah, and then you already talked about it, that Roman Wilson catch, that ball's tipped. You probably had a good sight at that because that was down at your uh, – that was about where you were sitting right down there, right, with Will Wilson going up, and he kind of misjumped and but still was able to, you know, uh, grab that one, one of the great catches that you'll see. I, I didn't – I don't know – what would have happened had he not tipped the ball? I think he, I think Roman Wilson would have been wide open and he would have caught the ball anyways, and, and it would have been uh, just like that. But when the ball got tipped, it gave Alabama an opportunity to come in. And, and uh, when you look at their DB, he just kind of overran uh, Wilson. He just overran him. And uh, Wilson come down with the ball and, and scoots to the five-yard line. Um, great effort, great concentration. That's not an easy ball to catch right there. Let me get some quick hitters to you. You know, you already mentioned the the Samaj Morgan muff punt, but you right after that, you know, four plays, 44 yards, you get a 34-yard run against the Michigan defense. And, you know, we're talking with good reason, especially now after the fact, you know, how stout they are and how well they played. But, you know, they they give up the 34-yard touchdown. And then the first play of the game with McCarthy, I don't know, you can say it set the tone uh, whether you, you feel like they got lucky or not, you know, you, the, the DB's foot being on the ground. I mean, those are three plays, like, in all three phases of the game where it's like, wow, that's kind of a nightmare start. I think at TCU at the beginning. Uh, I was thinking, what what is going on? Why is J.J. even throwing that ball? Uh, why is it even close? Um, you know, and, and, and you know, J.J. does that. I mean, he, he tries to make plays all the time, so – uh, you know, you have to live with uh, the good and the bad there, but uh, hopefully we won't do that anymore, uh, at least against Washington this week. Uh, um, but, um, yeah, it, it was uh, very nerve-wracking at the beginning. Um, you got that interception. That was uh, – you're thinking TCU all over again. Then you got the uh, the muff punt. Um, you know, we get that – if he just catches the ball, if he just catches the ball, fair catches it. We get the ball, I think it was a 35, 40 yard. That's good field position. And, and we went down on the next drive, um, you know, like crap through a goose, excuse my language. But, uh, you know, went right through him on that first drive after the uh, Alabama touchdown. And um, I think had he caught that ball, I think we would have scored at least a field goal there. You know, I think about so many games where it comes down, and you already said, you know, that's where you get paid the big money, like going for fourth and two. But there have been so many Michigan games, whether it's Ohio State, where it was, um, you know, in 2016, it came down to the the measurement. We could just keep going back and back and all kinds of, like, one play. And it really, you know, Michigan, maybe Alabama would have gone for two, whatever. But it essentially came down to one play there. But everybody, you know, after, you know, now I've seen it like people say, Oh, you know, it's a joke, you know, sec speed and, you know, Nick Saban, but you know, if they were that close, I think a lot of the writers had that story already uh, set up. Uh, Michigan can't win a bowl game. You know, here's three years in a row, Harbaugh and all that, man, they were just ready to push send, but you know, you win that game and all of that stuff 
you know, goes away and, you know, you, you win and it, it's, it's about the defense. And, you know, even though McCarthy didn't have the greatest of games, he did have that great last drive, which is really when uh, the money was on the line. And that's what's at all. That's what it's all about. And then you do, you know, is, is, uh, you, you get it in a championship game. I didn't see it. You need a little luck. Maybe the thaw uh, muff where the, you talked about the spin on the ball or his hit. I mean, that, that feels like that would have been, you know, I, I'd say that Michigan got a little lucky there. Absolutely. I mean, sometimes, you know, ball bounces your way. You know, how many times has the ball bounced against us? So many times. A lot. A lot. The ball you know? I a remember lot. the Charles White. I re- I'm old enough to remember the Charles White and, uh, Phantom uh, TD well, uh, fumbling at the two-yard line. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, maybe, maybe this team is the team of destiny. I mean, this is the, the team, this is the, the, they win this national title. It's the greatest story in college football history, in my opinion. Well, I would agree with you. Give me the, the small storyline of why, and I'll tell you, I'll see if we're on the same page there. Why would you think this would be the greatest story? Well, I mean, let's admit something, that these scandals are worthless. They're, they're, they're trying to make something relevant that is not relevant anymore. And – these scandals, they did, the NCAA and the Big Ten did everything in their power, less suspending Michigan season to get Michigan out of the conversation of a national championship game. I don't think anybody can argue that. Michigan creates a three-game suspension for Coach Harbaugh at the beginning of the season to appease a cheeseburger during COVID. Okay, when you've got all these other things going on in college football and you're going to concentrate on cheeseburgers during COVID, I think you're proving you're irrelevant. And for for all these different scandals to come out the way they have, there's no real evidence anywhere. We don't know anything. Nobody knows anything about what's going on. But we do know now that Catapult, the film distribution company on the East Coast is being investigated by the NCAA. We know that the team associated with Catapult is allegedly Ohio. Okay, so we've got a lot of things that are going to be coming out in the next 12 months. This should have never happened during the season. That is the unfair advantage. That's how kids get hurt when their focus and concentration is averted by something that had nothing to do with the game. To do what they did to Coach Harbaugh the night before the Penn State game, they had to be ashamed of themselves. They should be fired immediately and move on. The Big Ten was embarrassed this bowl game, this bowl season. Ohio. Penn, uh, Wisconsin, they got embarrassed this bowl season. Iowa. I don't know. I don't know about you, Denny, but I believe the world is round for a reason because what goes around comes around. They got embarrassed. They're having all kinds of issues now in the offseason with uh, with transfers leaving. So 
This was a complete joke. What they did and what they and why? Why did they coach Harbaugh? Because he's the one coming out and saying the players deserve revenue sharing of TV, and that's a that's a fundamental. Absolutely agree with him. They you've got 15 games that the University of Michigan and the University of Washington are playing. These kids are student athletes, supposedly. You call them student athletes when you don't want to pay them, but when you pay them, oh, it's uh, it's uh, uh, amateur. No, they're ridiculous in what their argument is. It's it's hypocrisy at its finest. And and, um, and I'm so happy that Coach Harbaugh came out and did this for the student athletes. These players should be getting revenue. Who should get the revenue? The NCAA? The colleges? No. The product does the kids on the field. Those are the guys that should get the revenue. Well, if that's able, what this whole thing is about. And if they're able to get through on Monday night, they'll be able to look back. Certainly that's going to be a huge part of this season, that particular story that you just went on, how it ends up landing in a month and six months and a year. You know, we'll see, you know, then uh, you can, you can say it, they were able to prevail and it, and uh, uh, it ended up motivating them. However, you know, we'll see, it'd be interesting what the players have to say about it after the fact, you know, Jerry, it's a good point. If you want to write your story about Michigan was able to do this without their coach and then at the end and what you're talking about 24 hours before Penn state, that didn't happen for Ohio state. I mean, what a story. I would also go to 2020 when Michigan just had two wins and Jim Harbaugh was on the sideline. And, and if they would have lost to, if they would have played to Ohio state, they probably would have, uh, you know, we had their brains beat in there and it, it would have been, you know, what, just a, a, a capper of, uh, you know, a, a long streak against the Buckeyes and, and, and haggard, uh, Harbaugh looked a little haggard when you had see him there. And, and I think that most people, but, you know, it's it, it certainly was worthy of a conversation like, you know, maybe it's just, you know, time to move on. And yet the the coach who grew up, you know, sometimes in Ann Arbor and his, his dad was a coach at Michigan and then he played at Michigan. And then for him to come back where he was trying to uh, he, he came back from from almost being out the door and to be able to reverse course and then to win the three years and then put him right here into the championship game. To me, the, the turnaround is an amazing story for Jim Harbaugh. I mean, I can't think of a better story about a coach that was ready to that close. And even the biggest Michigan fan, Jerry, you're one of the biggest, maybe you have a former player and everything else, but you, you couldn't have been like, you wouldn't have been shocked if they had said, well, we're moving on from Jim Harbaugh after the pandemic season. You, you, you sound like you could have been slamming your fist or anything down. And yet, they they stayed with them, and you know the rest is history. You know, I'm going to share a little story about Coach Harbaugh. Um, when I was playing at Michigan, I I think I got a lot of um, coaching. Let's say it that way from our coaches, and in fact, I think I got I was probably one of the most coached players on that team. Then Jim Garball comes in. And I actually felt sorry for Jim because I think he received the coaching that I was getting directed at him 
And all of a sudden, you know, nobody's yelling at me anymore. <laughs> but that was Jim Harbaugh. I remember Jerry Hanlon just, you know, in his ear. Bo, in his ear. Constantly, you know. And Jim always had that almost, excuse my expression, Denny, shitty and grin. Okay, on his face. He was always confident in himself. Always felt good. You know, okay, fine. I made a bad mistake. Go ahead, rip on me, because I'm going to come back and get the next one. And that's what Jim Harbaugh is about, I think. He, you know, forget that play. Let's move on. Forget that season. Let's move on. And that's what he did. You know, when I, I saw Jim the the day of the game against Western Michigan, my son was the GA. And my and, and Jim knows uh, Anthony real well. And they saw each other at the, uh, at the game. And, and I don't think uh, uh, Coach Harbaugh knew that Anthony was a, a student assistant at the time at Western. They met. And, you know, he, you know, Anthony's pointing to me. And I'm, you know, and Jim's over here like this, pumping pump to me. Remember, this is after the 2020 season when everybody was after him. This was not a guy that looked like he, his job was on the line. This guy looked like a confident um, leader. Somebody who was motivating his players. And and um, and and that's Jim Harbaugh in a nutshell. I mean, I remember, like, like I said, Denny, I got yelled at, I think, more than anybody at the practice. Okay? When Jim came in, I felt sorry for Jim Harbaugh because he got all the yelling then. And, and um, um, he, that's, that's him. He just, it's here, here, and let's move on and win. Well, let's talk about Monday night. Harbaugh and company look like they emptied the playbook against Alabama. You know, I was wondering, I think we all wonder with a, a month and then, you know, having the, 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 the previous bowl games and, and losing them. And they, they said that they changed some things around them. And, but one of the parts I was wondering is, you know, do they have too much time in their hands to put too much stuff in? And yet they went with a bunch of different stuff. Are they throwing the Khalil Mullings, you know, down the field? It was, it was clear that Samaj Morgan, they wanted to get him involved and they uh, were doing the double pass with, was a, which was amazing. You know, they tried, a lot of different things in this game, emptying that playbook. And now I'm wondering what they have up their sleeve. I don't think there is anything up the sleeve when it comes down to Washington. Uh, what do you think about the game when you think about the Huskies and the, and the, and the Wolverines for the championship on Monday night? Well, first of all, our, our defense has got to show up and play arguably the best offense in the nation. And so Washington is, uh, they're, they're very talented. Um, Pennick, uh, I remember him from Indiana. Uh, great ball player. I mean, he beat Penn State. Remember that in that year. And uh, so he's a great ball player. They, they've got great receivers to go with them. They're a very explosive offense. Um, don't know about their defense. We're going to find out how their defense stands up. I feel good about the game because I think our offense can control the pace. I think we can control the tempo of the game. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, longer drives um, take take up the clock a little bit. I wouldn't be surprised at a more methodical, uh, more 
basic run game um, with us. And I don't, I don't know if they've ever seen that kind of stuff, to be honest with you. Offense uh, on defense, it's going to be a great matchup. Their offensive line is the Joe Moore um, recipient this year. So obviously they've got talent up front. Uh, they've got talent at the receivers and tight end and the quarterback is the Heisman trophy winner. Um, the running back, we'll see if he's able to go or what, what they're going to be able to do with that. Uh, but it's a great offensive team. But at the end of the day, Denny, there's the old adage. Offense sells tickets and defense wins championships. And I like our chances with our defense. You're right. You know, they, they do say that about defense winning championships. And Michigan had the, the best defense, scoring defense, in the country. And they look pretty good against Alabama that defense as well. So uh, I like Michigan because, you know, you, you mentioned it when you were talking about, you know, the, the, the possibility of sustained drives. They can also throw the ball. They can throw it. They no. can run it on defense. Yeah. They can stop the run, but you know, they've got some pretty good players back in that secondary that can cover. And we know with uh, that defensive line in particular, how the edges are playing, but man, you know, Chris Jenkins running 15 yard down the field to, you know, snatch down Milrow. I mean, they, they've got athletes. They can get after the quarterback. They can collapse that pocket, and nothing's going to be more of a friend to the secondary than getting pressure on Penix, who can really spin it. So, you know, I, I think Michigan just – they have them covered talent-wise, and, and and that's why I like them as well. I think that they're going to win this game too. I, I You know, I fear – as a defensive coordinator, as a head coach, I've always feared the quarterback that can run and, and then throw. Um, the quarterback that can run typically sent, ten, tends to see the uh, hole that opens up uh, when you drop. And um, they, those, those are the ones that scare me. And what we did to Milrow, uh, that was uh, that was textbook. Well, uh, you know, five sacks, Denny, against Alabama in the first half? Are you kidding me? I mean, let's not say Alabama's offensive line is that horrible. They're not that bad. I mean, they're supposedly got five-star uh, players up there. The, the, the left tackle is a freshman. Yes, I understand that. But he's also a five-star uh, left tackle that weighs 360 pounds, and it takes his day and a half to get around them for crying out loud. Okay? So Auburn's or Alabama's deep offensive line was no joke. We made them look bad. No question about that. But they were no joke. It's going to be an interesting matchup to see our defensive line against their offensive line. that That's going to be a big portion of this game. Jerry, are you one that uh, makes scores? Or you just say Michigan wins? I mean, oh, like, Danny, I forgot to mention this. Well, by the way, congratulations. Did you put some money down on that game or what? Because you called it 27-20. Well, I didn't, like, put any kind of an exact uh, – down that would have been nice but you did um, call it 27 20 you know i did jerry i did i i i made a bullseye pick you did make a bullseye pick denny it was right on yeah well now i feel the pressure about you know this one to kind of come up and and come right back i think people are going to pay attention to my pick more absolutely if anything but i'm interested in hearing your pick i'll tell you as i sit here i'm thinking something like 35 27 
I might adjust it a little bit both ways with Michigan coming out on top. But you know what? Where that's that has Michigan, you know, covering the spread, and you know I think that has the the game going over the fifty five. So over in Michigan, if you're out there, uh, 35-27, At least how I'm thinking about it right now. I could change that heading in, you know, a little bit later. But that's where I'm at right now. All right, Denny. So you're going to put me on the spot. I'm going to go with it. I'm going to go Michigan 34, uh, Washington 24. 34-24. You know, I'll take I'll take either one, Jerry. You know, you, you get this one, and I know there's a lot of things to think about afterwards from the coach to the quarterback to a lot of different things. But man, let's just see. Uh, let's just see Monday, and then we'll we'll start. Uh, they're thinking about things Tuesday or Wednesday, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Great job, Jerry. Uh, have a great weekend. I know you'll enjoy Monday. We're looking forward to uh, talking with you at some point after the game next week. Hopefully uh, I'm going to be calling in after the game and, um, and, and uh, from uh, Houston and uh, chat with you and Scar a little bit about the game. I didn't know you. That's a little, little, uh, Nice way to, you know, throw that in right at the end. I didn't know. I, I thought you were going to Vegas. No, I, I am going to Vegas. I'm going oh, you're to going Vegas. To... I'm going to Houston, and I'm going right back to Vegas. All right. So, I mean, okay. So, I didn't know that's after the game, Denny, let's get this win. We'll see. Well, we look forward to that call, Jerry. Safe travels to the desert and then uh, down to H-Town and a championship. Don't come back from Texas empty-handed. Hail to the victors, Denny. There he is, Jerry Diario. That's right, Jerry joining us here. How about Jerry going to the national championship game? Went to the Rose Bowl, and now he's headed out to Vegas, and then he's going to Houston. They're flying, they're flying there. For people that are going to Houston, it is, uh, you know, the people that went to the Rose Bowl, like, this is it. This is... Um, this is really a dream situation. I don't know if I've ever sat around on a on a Friday thinking, man, I can't wait till Monday. But that's exactly what's going on here. And it's just uh it's it's a a chance to be the the once in a lifetime opportunity, the 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 game you'll never forget. You talk about the championships forever, and you go back, and it's you know it's a great part of it being able to go back, and you know I think about you know '97 and all the different memories that you have, and you know all the things from the Colorado to Baylor to you know Notre Dame, Michigan turning it over three times in the second half against Notre Dame, all the games, and and that's what. You know, this particular season, you know, you'll go, uh, well, I'll go back and we'll, we'll, we'll pick apart these games and, and relive them uh, for the, the days, weeks, months, and years. I mean, I'm still doing that with 97. So to be able to do it in 2023, if it uh, all goes well, which we all think it will on Monday, you know, if I could recap this season really quick. You know, you, you wait all year long for the games. And then this year, you know, it was like last year, there, there weren't any like games that you thought Michigan was going to lose in the non-conference East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, 
you knew the Michigan was just going to mow through those games. And so, you know, they did. And then starting out at Rutgers, and then you're thinking, well, they got the two road games, Nebraska and Minnesota, but nobody thought Michigan was going to lose those games. Maybe you thought like one of them was going to be closer than, you know, but what did they win? You know, 31 to 7, 45 to 7 against uh, against Nebraska, 52-10 at Minnesota. My point here is they just kept going, you know, Indiana – those games, it was like, you know, Michigan's going to win, and it was just by how much. And then we got to the second half of the season, and that's where, you know, it was uh, at Michigan State and, you know, and the Spartans after what happened with their head coach. You knew that they weren't going to be any trouble this year, even though it was a rivalry game and everything else. But it was just um, it was just on that Thursday that the, the Connor Stallion story came out. So that went into play. And then, you know, you had uh, Purdue, where that was the, the week that the Stallions resigned. And, you know, you had Ryan uh, Walters, the head coach, you know, running his mouth a little bit there. And that, then it went to, I get to all that because I go to Penn State and, you know, Tony Batini, he's got, uh, you know, a judge. Michigan's waiting out there with whatever, you know, 90 minutes before the, prior, uh, you know, to kick off, not knowing whether their head coach is going to be out. I mean, that was a wild. Come on. I mean, that, that was pretty wild. But starting, when was the Penn State game? November 11th. That game, 24-15, you know, Michigan, the way that, that game was more intense and exciting than all of the, the, the previous games uh, put together. At that point. So what was that? Nine games, you know, uh, leading up to the Penn State game. All of the excitement in there. But then it just continued. I mean, since the Penn State game, you know, the Maryland game was way closer than, you know, we you thought it was going to be. Then we all thought it was going to be 31-24. Tight ball game there. And then, you know, Ohio State always speaks for itself. But, you know, 30-24, to that was one of the great games that, you know, you – they gonna really beat Ohio State three years in a row. Yes, yes, they were, and you know they, the uh, Big Ten championship game. They're gonna validate the season by being a yes. They're able to beat Iowa, and then the Rose Bowl. You know, it's, as much as I thought that they were gonna win the game, and you know, picked them to win the game, and then uh, that's one of the great games in Michigan history, obviously. And you know, it's it's only just it's only just days removed and you know that we'll just continue to talk about that one forever. And now it culminates in Monday. So it's all exciting. All of that, you know, that that's going on. So, uh, let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, I look forward. I, I, we'll see what happens this weekend. Pay attention to the feed. You know, you, you might call some people up that are going to be down in Houston do have a basketball game at noon on Sunday. Monday will be here. Monday night, you know, we'll uh, we'll do it all. And uh, who knows into the into the night, into the morning on Tuesday, talking uh, about Michigan. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you over on the Maze and Blue Review this weekend, talking about this game. And uh, certainly hope everybody is. Uh, I was going to say, enjoy yourself uh, of this weekend as we wait for Monday. 
we've wait, we've waited our entire lives for Monday. What's a couple other days to just sit back and and wait, and then when Monday gets here, I don't know, man. If you had to go into work on Monday, you just be like, look, you know, you tell your boss. Maybe hopefully you are the boss. You just tell everybody else, like, you guys can all work. I'm just gonna sit here and I'm just sitting here. If I was going into work, seeing the same thing, I'm just sitting here, just waiting, waiting for tonight. When uh, the excitement begins. All right, everybody. Great weekend. Uh, We'll talk with you soon here on the Maze and Blue Review. Thanks.